This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV radio and podcast. My name is Steve Dace. His name is Todd Erzin. His name is Aaron McIntyre. You likely have a name as well. Who knows? Maybe one day we shall learn it. We have a lot going on here on the program today. Uh, coming up in the next hour of the show, we'll continue our series on Theology Thursday, look, counting down to the opening of uh, the movie edition of my 2016 book, A Nefarious Plot. We'll have more on that here in just a moment, by the way. Uh, so Theology Thursday, three non-political questions. Um, speaking of nefarious plots, Dr. Robert Malone has uh, uncovered a few over the last few years. He will rejoin the program here at the bottom of the hour and will pull no punches while sounding very smart in the process. So you make sure you don't want to miss that. Before we get going with uh, regular business today, it dawned on me after we got off the air yesterday, I completely forgot something. Um, we have to invite somebody. Uh, we've got to give uh, we got to give a prize away today. On oh, the program. today? Yeah, we, we we were supposed to do it yesterday, okay? Because it was supposed to happen when Daniel and I were together, and I just my bad, man. I just completely blew it off. When, we, Daniel and I got riffing, and next thing you know, it's the end of the show. I I know you're busy, and but when you just told me about ten minutes ago before the show, I won't say the name, but you can't fit somebody into your schedule today. Is somebody like if you can't fit that person in your schedule, you are busy at a level that's like full on. Oz goes up to eleven. Uh, this entire week has been the Iowa caucuses every day. Yeah, I mean the entire week has been the the Iowa. If, if today was Iowa caucus day, it's been that every day this week. Like, I, I, what day is it? Actually, Thursday. Is that am I right? You are. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's just this has been insane, and I, I I I'll never do this again in my life. I will never um, ever. Uh, release a book and begin the the market the lead up to the marketing launch of a movie in the same month. I'll just never do it again. I mean, uh, yesterday I was on the phone. I, I left here. I was on the phone on on behalf of the movie for the next five hours consecutively. Only got off the phone to go see a screening of Jesus Revolution last night, which, by the way, let me say, is very well done. Let's not bury the lead here. It, this is the Kelsey Grammer movie, yes. right? Yes. Whenever you guys email me about Christian movies, how come you haven't talked about this? I'll just tell you. Because the movie sucks. And I don't want to have to say that. You know? I don't want to have to bury the brethren, so I just prefer to say nothing. You guys don't ever send me stuff about Christian movies coming out that I'm not aware of. They almost always will send me screeners in advance. And so if you hear nothing from me, it's because it sucked. Or at least I thought it did. I mean, I'm not the definitive word, just my own opinion. All right. And so I, I, I don't, I don't want to publicly, you know, uh, besmirch the brethren here, you know, even if it's not besmirching, it has their name on it and it's not good, you know, but, uh, I, so I tend to not say anything if it's a Christian movie and it's not good. 
Cheese's Revolution is very good. It's from the team that did I Can Only Imagine. It's at least as good as that movie. And, and in some respects, the, the level of craftsmanship in, a, in the cinematography might even make it better. Um, very powerful story about the Jesus movement that came out um, as kind of a follow-up to the hippie movement of the late 60s, early 70s, and kind of the dawn of uh, what we now know as the Calvary Chapel church movement. Um, it's just, it's, it's really, really well done. And it, here's what I liked about it. It was much more real than I thought. I thought this was kind of going to be a trite, uplifting Christian movie. It's very real. It tells the, this really at the heart of it, one of the hearts of it is uh, Greg Laurie, very well-known evangelical pastor and minister, very well-respected. This is kind of his, his testimony is, you know, he came in uh, as a, as a drug, do, as a drug doing a uh, hippie pagan to this Calvary Chapel movement. It ends up, you know, maybe I think he's the pastor now of the largest Calvary Chapel church in the world. Um, out there in California. And so, I mean, you watch him go to watch, you, you watch him go see Janis Joplin and Timothy Leary and Timothy Leary telling him, hey, we're, we're doing LSD to connect with God to get a higher form of consciousness. And the crop duster comes over the, 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 the air and drops, and, and, and drops the acid on them to do. You, you watch that happen. So um, I think it's important for me to tell you that up front because the movie is real. Not everything gets wrapped up. It, it, it's, it's a real story. It's, it's really inspiring, too. Don't get me wrong. It is. But they, they didn't feel the need to glom over the brokenness that people brought to the table in that era of the country. And, man, you cannot... Well, you know what? We'll get more into this next week after the movie's been out. We'll do a Pop Culture Tuesday segment on it next week. I don't want to say any more. But uh, the movie is absolutely deserving of your support. Uh, when it opens uh, on Friday. And uh, I've got a bet, a gentleman's agreement with uh, the patron saint of our movie, Nefarious, who knows a thing or two about movies in the movie industry. I've got a bet with him that it's gonna, it may double what the industry is actually projecting. They're projecting a, a 5 to $10 million opening. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to predict it doubles that, that it does maybe 10 to 20 instead because the movie is really good and I would highly recommend it. So I don't want to bury the lead. But that was my day yesterday. I was on the phone all day with my own movie and then went to this movie. And guess what I was back doing when I got back from the movie? Back on the phone again until bedtime. So, I mean, this has been absolutely nuts. And, but a good kind of nuts. And um, I got to blame Tim Pool for at least some of this. I mean, the amount of exposure being on that show has done for us across the board. If w even little things, well, not so little things if you're running the blaze probably, but, you know, even things like podcast ratings. I mean, there have been uh, a lot of people saw that. Uh, and so I'm very grateful uh, for the opportunity. And so in the midst of all that, I forgot to do something yesterday that ties to the movie and also Rise of the Fourth Reich that I was supposed to do. All right. So we ran a little contest um, and got some incredible submissions at hashtag Nuremberg 2 on the social medias last week for the launch of Rise of the Fourth Reich. And um, my daughter Anastasia picked the five most clever or in impressive attempts that you made to help us market the book. And then Daniel and I were supposed to pick the winner. And we just... We couldn't come to an agreement because the all five that Anna picked were very strong. And I mean, we even tried, okay, what's your second choice? We couldn't agree on that. So then we, Daniel and I did something we rarely will do. We punked out. All right. 
We completely punked out. We called the publisher and said, all right, here are the finalists. We can't make up our mind. You guys decide. <laughs> okay. To the winner of this, you did it. Yes. You broke us. You, you finally, you guys were so good, we could not make a definitive verdict on the five finalists that uh, Anastasia chose. All right. So the publisher did make the decision. Uh, and we want to congratulate Kelly McCarty of Fort Mill, South Carolina. Kelly McCarty of Fort Mill, South Carolina. You're going to be my guest in April for the premiere of Nefarious. That we should be. We're, one of the things I was on the phone with late last night was working on the final details of that. So uh, we should be announcing that here early next week. May not get to it now that it's already Thursday and I've got a travel day tomorrow, but we should be able to finalize that early next week. Uh, Kelly McCarty of Fort Mill, South Carolina. Congratulations. You and a guest, courtesy of Post Hill Press, um, and they have your information. They'll follow up with you. You're going to be my guest uh, at the premiere of Nefarious, uh, which will be coming up in early April. So um, want to thank all of you guys for that. Speaking of Rise of the Fourth Reich, Remember I told you guys yesterday, we had the nuts. I mean, I, I, I knew what our numbers were. I, I knew we had the nuts to make the New York Times bestseller list. Then it was just a matter of whether they are going to bring themselves to, to acknowledge it or not, right? Mm-hmm. We did not make the New York Times bestseller list. Rise of the Fourth Reich was the number seven bestselling book in the country last week. Book period. No classifications, no nothing. Best-selling hard... Uh, let me clarify. There is a classification. Hardcover, yeah, well, hardcover uh, book. But not just poli or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Book. Yeah, best... The, the number seven best-selling wow. hardcover book in the Bravo. country last week, according to BookScan, which is nothing more than you bought the book, they scan the book when you buy it, and it goes to the central hub. That's, you know, no algorithms, no metrics, just raw numbers. It was the number seven best-selling book in the country last week. We did not make the New York Times bestseller list. Greta Thunberg's The Climate Book, which was released on the same day, is 500 spots below us on Amazon. You heard me right. 500. Not five. 500 spots below us on Amazon. And by the way, according to BookScan, is not even in the top 20. She did make the New York Times bestseller list, however. Journalism is magical, Steve. And not at all broken, except when it systemically is. Yes. <laughs> and I, I told you all along, I, I'm not sure what I'm getting more satisfaction out of. Whether I, if we had received the recognition or not getting it. Because I know... I know that you know, and you know that I know why you didn't. It's because we beat your ass. It's because you promoted mass murder for the last few years. And we want to put you all on trial for your lives, for the lives you caused to end as a result. So I'm well aware of, of why you didn't give us the recognition that we earned and deserve. But frankly... You know what I love even more than your recognition? Your spite. Your scorn. I love that even more. I get off on that, frankly. It turns me on. The fact that you demons got so routed, we so kicked your ass, all you could do is just memory hole. You had no other play. And now that I think about, think about it, 
that might be the greatest recognition you could have possibly given me of them all. Your fear. Thank you for that. So courtesy of Tim Pool and hearing from all kinds of people who had never heard our show before, uh, seeing our metrics across the board have been elevated by that appearance. Today is 50 days, 50 days from today, Nefarious, the long, strange trip to get this movie out is almost over. 50 days from today, Nefarious will open in theaters nationwide across the country. And it dawned on me that there may be a lot of you just because of the Tim Pool appearance that weren't here when we launched um, the initial trailer for the movie on February the 14th. So wouldn't it be fun maybe for those of you that were not here, if you are listening via podcast or you're going to watch this on uh, Blaze TV or Rumble later, let's watch it again. I'm evil. Evil isn't a clinical diagnosis. I'd like to ask about why you brought me here today. Do you believe in demonic possession? No. Well, you won't believe anything we're about to tell you. And give me something to make me believe you. Okay. Let me inhabit you. He got in your head, didn't he? He claims he's a demon. He's a master manipulator. By the time he's done with you, you have your head so twisted around you think you're the killer. Before you leave here today, you will have committed three murders. Why would I do that? What, what, what are you doing? My name is Nefariamus. Names are important. They have power. They let everyone know who we are. (laughs) 50 days from today, um, if you are listening on a podcast right now and you're like, whoa, man, I want to see what that looks like. Whoisnefarious.com is where you can watch that trailer. Um, and watch it over and over again. All those views count, right, Aaron? Yes. So you yeah. guys just want, you know what? If you guys just want to have like one of your devices just run this thing on loop to run up our view count, I'm not going to argue with you. In fact, I maybe should have thought about doing that at my own house. <laughs> All right. Whoisnefarious.com. 50 days from today. We cannot wait. All right. With all that housekeeping out of the way, let's get to official business with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Mayor Pete Goes to Ohio. It's been nearly three weeks since the ecological disaster started in East Palestine, Ohio. And apparently the eminently qualified transportation secretary and rear admiral Pete Buttigieg finally showed his face there this morning. So what changed? Well, this. To the people of East Palestine and to the nearby communities in Ohio and Pennsylvania, uh, we have told you loud and clear you are not forgotten. Donald Trump visited the village yesterday. Earlier this week, the head of the EPA, along with Ohio Governor Mike DeWine, drank water straight from the tap of a resident of East Palestine. That is sort of an oaky afterbirth. Whoops, wrong clip. We believe in science, so we don't feel like we're paying your guinea pig. 
But we don't mind proving to you that we believe the world. Okay. Here's to Caroline. Here's to you. Thank you so much. That's good. <laughs> really cold coming from there. Do they look enthused to you? Now this is Stephen Petty, an expert in chemical spills who has been called upon to give expert testimony in various class action lawsuits across the country. He's in East Palestine conducting independent air, water, and soil testing, and this is what he has to say. You were the guy that made all the decisions. You got a control burn? Well, there's the lie. It wasn't a controlled burn, it was an uncontrolled burn. See, I'm a chemical engineer as well, as well as a top health and safety guy. I've got undergraduate and graduate degrees in chemical engineering. You're the first actual expert that we've gotten to speak to. In your opinion, why do you believe that it was an uncontrolled burn? Why are you using that terminology when so far everywhere else we've seen that it was a controlled burn? You can go to a place called West Liverpool downriver, and that's where they burn hazardous waste. And in a hazardous waste uh, situation, they very carefully control the temperature and the amount of oxygen so that they get complete combustion, right? It's time, temperature, and, and amount of the air fuel ratio. There's no controlling of the amount of air that gets in there. That's why you saw all that soot. So it's not a controlled burn because a controlled burn would have to be like in a furnace or in your car or some system where you control the fuel and in other words, the vinyl chloride and the amount of oxygen. So they didn't do that. So it's an uncontrolled burn. Moving on, the foreperson of the jury in the phony Trump election interference case in Fulton County, Georgia, decided for whatever reason to do a media tour on CNN and MSNBC before the jury decision actually came out. Here's what 12-year-old Emily Coors has to say. Emily, thank you for coming on. I do want to say off the top, as you and I just discussed, but for everyone to know, you are somewhat limited in what you can discuss under judges under the judge's orders as of now. But one, we do know, of course, one of the biggest questions remaining for everyone that wasn't in that jury room with you is how many people are in trouble here? What can you tell us about how many people you recommended as a group to face indictment? Is it, would you say, when it comes to, there are, indi there are indictments recommended, of course. Is it yes. more than, 12 people? Is it more than 20 people? I think if you look at the page numbers of the report, there's about six pages in the middle that got cut out. Allow for spacing. It's not a short list. Not a short list. <laughs> Even Anderson Cooper couldn't believe his ears. She's clearly enjoying herself. Yeah. Um, but I mean, is this responsible? She was the foreperson of this grand jury. This is a horrible idea, and I guarantee you that prosecutors are wincing watching her go on this. I was wincing just <laughs> watching her eagerness yes. to, like, you know, hint at stuff. Here's Coors on MSNBC. Did you personally want to hear from the former president? I presidents? wanted to hear from the former president, but honestly, I kind of wanted to subpoena the former president because I got to swear everybody in. And so I thought it'd be really cool to get 60 seconds with President Trump of me looking at him and being like, do you solemnly swear? And me getting to swear him in, I just... I kind of just thought that would be an awesome moment. According to a report from the Epic Times, the Biden administration is preparing to sign up the United States to a legally binding accord with the World Health Organization that would give this Geneva-based U.N. subsidiary the authority to dictate America's policies during a pandemic. U.S. Health and Human Services Secretary Javier Becerra, along with WHO Director General Tedros, have been developing the framework for months, and it was published in February 1st. It now heads to ratification process by all 194 WHO member states. Breaking news, the notorious horse doctor, Pfizer CEO Albert Bourla, is a huge fan of jab mandates. I think that um, it's a little bit controversial, the mandate, because... Some people, they feel uh, they're reactive and stronger. 
to the mandate, but also on the other hand, it works. Uh, and uh, many countries now are seen so big. Uh, I was, for example, speaking with uh, uh, the Greek prime minister the other days, and he told me that they put a, a mandate. Actually, they put mandate if you don't get vaccinated and you are above 60 years old, 100 euros per month. Penalty. It's a fine. It's a fine. The U.S. Department of Defense earlier this week secured an open server that was spilling terabytes of sensitive U.S. military emails. The server had not been configured properly and was left without a password, meaning anyone with the IP address of the server could hop on with a simple web browser. Learning Chinese today, today's phrase is can't be hacked if there's no security. And finally, Angela Davis is an avowed Marxist author and currently a professor in California. She's the type of person who thinks you should pay her money because of her skin color and because this country was and is inherently racist or something. She was the topic of a recent episode of the PBS show Finding Your Roots, which discovers the ancestral stories of various guests. Any idea what you're looking at? That is a list of the passengers on the Mayflower. No, I can't believe this. No. My ancestors did not come here on the Mayflower. You, your ancestors came no. on the Mayflower. No, no, no. You no. are descended no, no, no. from one of the 101 people who sailed on the Mayflower. Oof. That's a little bit too much <laughs> to deal with right now. Did you ever in your wildest dreams think that you may have descended from people who laid never the foundation never for this country never <laughs> never never and that's what happened while we were away and that's what happened while we were away should i say that again and that's you what should. happened you should that's uh, the that rule of weird. 3 that was good i liked it there's one thing in Aaron's montage overall that i want to highlight and Trump's trip yesterday was in a microcosm, in a singular moment, an explanation about how he became one of the most formidable forces of nature in, a, in, mo, in, in, in the history of contemporary American politics. When we were on the when we were on the cruise campaign, we had a lot of conversations about him and, and all the candidates, right? It was a pretty crowded field, if I recall, yeah. like 23 different people announced. We'd have debates with 9, 10, 12, 15. They didn't have to split the debates in two, right? Yeah. There was the A, the JV debate, the main debate. There were so many candidates. <clears throat> and, you know, originally we realized after we, after we were going to, our initial lane was to win the social conservative lane. That's the, and that's the biggest lane in the Republican primary vote nationwide is the social conservative lane or the Christians. And, um, and so we knew we were going to have to be Bobby Jindal, Mike Huckabee, Rick Santorum in that lane. And then once we won that kind of, you know, we, and we, we set it up like the NSA tournament. It was like a bracket. That's literally what we did. And, and you had to win that first weekend, okay? You got to win your sub-regional. And our sub-regional was the, was, the, was the social conservative bracket, all right? So, so anybody that wasn't in that bracket, we're not concerned with them right now, okay? So we had to win that sub-bracket. Once it was obvious, you, then you win that sub-bracket. We did. Then you move on to the regional, the Sweet 16 of the Elite Eight, okay? That was going to be 
the 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 outsider disruptor bracket okay and and then sometimes you'll get two teams from the same conference will make the final four okay and that's what happened with us there were two there were two candidates in that disruptor outsider bracket us and trump and we both made the final four in fact we basically got both got to the championship game. We were the, the the top two campaigns, okay, and so it was easy for us to kind of understand what to do with Trump when we were in the sub regional bracket because he wasn't he had some evangelical support, but he wasn't explicitly competing there, and so it was smart for us to just leave him alone, not get in the way, and because a lot of the other candidates that did try to confront him just they kept blowing up. But we knew eventually we would have to, and then when we when it came time that it was time for us to now have to confront him, how do we do it? And there was a lot of talk and a lot of analysis. And I, and I didn't understand it myself until he had kicked our ass. The secret sauce, and it is a very potent formula, is that, and this is why, this is why, and yeah, there's a cult of personality there. There is with every politician, especially one that came into it as a celebrity already, okay? So that does exist. There is the, the Cheeto Jesus saves thing isn't just a um, isn't a joke. There is some of that. We've all seen some of that, right? We all have. Mm-hmm. That does exist. But but that's that's that that's more people than it should be, and frankly annoying. But it's really not that many people in the grand scheme of things. Not enough to win a major political party's nomination. It's not. The next layer of support that was so loyal is because Donald Trump the guy with the gold-plated toilet seat, the germaphobe from Manhattan, genuinely, and I didn't believe it at first. I didn't. And take it from someone that was one of the very first people Donald Trump tried to individual lob- individually lobby to support him for his presidential campaign. I didn't believe it at first. But Jesus says, you know, a tree by its fruit. And it's pretty obvious. Donald Trump really likes you guys. And what he loves most of all is when he gets to use his platform, his popularity, his prosperity, his prestige to elevate you. It, it, it both, it feeds the fact that he does like you and it also feeds his ego because he's the daddy warbucks of the of the arrangement, right? Yeah. Okay. And so that's a win-win in Donald Trump's world. I get to help people I like, and it's a boost to my ego because they need my help. <laughs> All right? He loves to do it. He looks for opportunities to do it. He's, and so where he can be just obnoxiously selfish in some areas and narcissistic. In this area, he is very selfless. Maybe not always from the most selfless of motivations, but he is very willing to hand. Think of names of people that are now huge names in our, in our movement and industry because Trump was willing to give them access to his platform. I think of somebody like Jack Posobiec. Did you know who that was five years ago? No. He's got one of the largest followings in our entire movement now. And thank you, Jack, for sharing our trailer last week, yeah. by the way. I mean, uh, and, and it's because he does like... And, and, and by the way, as, a, as an aside, this is why we're having such a hard time breaking through to him on the jab. He loves being the hero of the story. Yeah. And so there are, there are times like the last year, when will, how many more 
hashtags does there need to be before we get Trump's attention on this, right? Mm -hmm. But then there are moments like at East Palestine, Ohio. And you're like, my man, that's, that's it right there. That, that is the secret sauce right there. He is willing to be a champion for people that the system would prefer were already dead. And if they're not, they are fully prepared to leave them for dead. To me, when he's like this, he's like Bob Hope visiting the troops. That's a great analogy. He really yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, you younger listeners will, probably won't know what I'm talking about, but those, uh, even before running for president, I mean, he, he's just a a cultural icon who likes to go amidst the swarm, pat him on the back, say hello, tell him a couple jokes. Uh, we, you know, that used to be pure Americana, and this reminds people of what they're missing. Yeah, I, I think Donald Trump, on any given day, I think he is uh, braggadocious. I think he's a gaslighter. I think he's a douchebag. I think he is a terrible person. But on any given day, I have an immense amount of respect for him, not because he as a man necessarily deserves it, but because he's shining a light on people who have been forgotten, people who are still made in the image of God, who people like Mitch McConnell and Joe Biden mm-hmm. would gladly call white trash hillbillies behind closed doors. He's shining a light on those people. Regardless of his motivations, I don't give two rips if they are pure motivations. I, I wish they were. I don't give two rips because the result is he's, he's, he's remembering the forgotten man. You should be appreciative of that. I, it doesn't absolve him from the rake stepping that he does on a day-to-day basis or his record, especially when it comes to COVID. It doesn't absolve him of that. But you're going... You're, you're going to help yourself on days like I, like I have every single day, or almost every single day, where you're frustrated with him. Help yourself by remembering yeah. he loves these people on some level. And that's why they love him yeah. back. It, it's all the more powerful because Buttigieg and his comms people won't even go on camera repeatedly over and over again. They're scared. That community is only getting attention now and only getting help yep. now yeah. because of Trump. That's the bottom line. That's true. More in a moment. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Back here on the Steve Day Show, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. And we are pleased to be rejoined by one of the smartest men I've gotten a chance to get to know the last few years, Dr. Robert Malone, author of Lies My Government Told Me. It's good to have you back, Dr. Malone. Brother, how you been? Uh, pretty good. That was a very kind introduction. I don't know that it's uh, warranted, but I'll take it uh, if you want to give it to me. You've got it, brother. And be comforted even further. I mean about half the things I say. And so who knows if that was part of the half <laughs> I, mean or, I mean or not, right? <laughs> Speaking of, I don't mean the things I say. Let's talk about the jab, shall we? Um, simple question that I get asked a lot particularly, you know, releasing a book calling for a Nuremberg trial, as I just did last week. 
when does this thing, Robert, get to a when does it get would that, to would that be this book? That would be that book. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Now you know for sure that I'm that the, the half of things I say that I mean is what I just said about you a few minutes ago. You are as smart as I was claiming, yes. But uh in, in, in all seriousness, the question I get a lot when when is the critical mass? There have been so many data pieces, so many charts, the, the BLS chart on disabilities shortly that, that exploded in the workplace right after the, the jab mandates, uh, the excess death numbers in Germany, Australia, New Zealand, all over the country. I get asked a ton. It seems like we have delivered. Uh, there you go. Ed Dowd's phenomenal book. We had Ed on the show last week talking about it. It, it seems like there is there has, we've delivered a million kill shots to this agenda. Robert, and it, and, and it doesn't seem to dent it. I mean, our, uh, people are getting it. They're not getting the shots, but we seemingly cannot stop the, the relentless publicity in favor of them. What's the critical mass moment here, do you think? I don't know. I had hoped that it would be turning the Senate, but that's not happened. I was speaking to Senator Johnson earlier on in chats back and forth. Um, it, it's hard to figure out how we're going to stop this juggernaut that's coming from the federal government right now in collusion with tech and media. I, it's, when you see this, you have to, I, I don't see any other conclusion that what's going on has very little to do with public health, because if it did, they would have backed off on this, just like the UK has done, just like Denmark has done. Mm -hmm. These jabs are not being used in many European countries anymore. Poland stopped them a long time ago. But for some reason, the FDA and the USHHS and DOD seem to be all in and uh, with all possible uh, technology and capabilities in terms of the psyops and propaganda. They, they just are, as you point out, they're relentless. And I, I think that probably the Biden administration lives in a bubble. And they may not be aware of how tone deaf they are and of the blowback uh, damage that's being done to Americans' respect in the government and in the HHS and in the entire vaccine enterprise. Most Americans, I think, increasingly are wondering what the heck's going on and who they can trust. Let's take advantage of that brain of yours and get to the actual science, because as a pioneer in this industry, you know this technology very well. And, and you can often see trend lines of where things are going. And then people like me get the data uh, as lagging indicators of those trend lines weeks and months later. So what, what are the trend lines you are seeing right now with these injections and what, what the long term ramifications of them are? So the most worrying things are the discussions about the low-grade clots. We know that we have these very highly cross-linked uh, fibrinous clots that has been discussed repeatedly in many forums. But we seem to have these uh, low-grade clots that are really affecting people's stamina. The One of the sleeping giants is that the myocarditis, clinical myocarditis, has a mortality rate over five years of something like one in five. So if we have a event rate in children of myocarditis boys in the range of one in 2000, then we're talking about a significant number of deaths over a five-year horizon in mm. young males uh, and to a lesser extent young females. 
The cancer risks uh, keep cropping up in observations from pathologists, surgical pathologists, oncologists, etc. And that's also a, a longer range concern. The data are clear from the Cleveland Clinic and increasingly from all over the world that the people that have taken these multiple doses of, of this product are the ones at highest risk of developing COVID or death uh, hospitalization. So there's a number of, uh, of kind of intermediate and longer term risks that are, that are beginning to manifest. And yet still the FDA and Moderna and Pfizer are all in on advancing this technology for other vaccines. The recent failure of Moderna's trials, flu vaccine trials in phase three, suggests that uh, this technology is not the be all and end all that it's been marketed as so aggressively. But that's not a real surprise. I think the bigger thing on the longer term horizon is, as you're uh, emphasizing in your book, and I'm trying to help people understand in my book, is that this is this weaponization of public health mm -hmm. goes far beyond COVID. And the, the thing that's on the immediate horizon is the Biden's administration, Biden administration's collusion with the WHO to implement these international health regulations in a way that would circumvent uh, Senate approval and oversight, which was part of what I was chatting with Ron Johnson about. And uh, that's coming up very quickly, these next rounds of negotiations about the modified international health regulations, in which uh, our administration currently seems to be all in on conceding sovereignty uh, to Tedros and the WHO, which you know, Steve, is very tightly tied to the CCP as well as to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Why would we would be wanting to give over national sovereignty to allow this organization to set the policies that would have to be implemented in the United States in the event of another uh, public health emergency, which could be anything that uh, Mr. Tedros decides. It doesn't have to be a uh, weaponized Ebola or, or Marburg or whatever the latest uh, fear is or monkeypox. It could be gun violence. Mr. Tedros mm -hmm. could say that the United States is having an epidemic of gun violence and uh, therefore the United States should be forced to implement gun control policies. And under these new IHRs, the WHO would have the right to do that and to enforce those terms and conditions potentially through uh, the uh, World Trade Agreement. Let's get personal for a second because I get emails like this every day. I'm sure you do too. Am I a ticking time bomb? Um, I, I took a dose because my job made me do it. Uh, I, I did it because um, I wanted to see my loved ones. I wanted to stay in the military. Um, is there a difference between taking the non-mRNA Janssen vaccine or the, the, the pure mRNA Pfizer Moderna vaccines? Is there a way for me to tell that I could be the next collapse suddenly or died suddenly? How do I get ahead of that? What do I do to purge these toxins out of my system, etc.? How would you respond? to that spate of questions that I get frequently, and I'm sure you do as well. Yeah, those are really hard ones because we don't want to promote fear porn ourselves. Let's leave that to CNN, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so this business of scaring people, and frankly, in even in the podcast world, it's a business model. It generates clicks. Generating fear and anxiety 
is uh, great for business if you're if you're providing any kind of media. And uh, I think it's irresponsible to play into that. But it is a reasonable fear that people have in general. If you haven't had a major adverse event and you're a couple of months out, you're probably at very low risk for having a major adverse event. I personally have had, uh, I'm post-vaccine injured uh, from second dose of Moderna, and I've had lingering symptoms for quite a long time, including my hypertension and uh, high heart rate. I've just completed uh, the FLCCC Mm -hmm. recovery protocol. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this is the frontline uh, coalition. And it does involve some of those drugs that are demeaned and uh, um, Alex Berenson uh, disagrees about whether or not they're effective, that being hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, as well as other agents, steroids, et cetera. For me, it's made a big difference. I have a lot more stamina and energy. Uh, so there, and it, it appears that some of these agents like ivermectin may be useful in displacing the spike protein from binding sites. But the truth is that these RNAs are now being shown to persist for a, a surprisingly long time in patients' bodies. So I think that a tincture of time is our friend here. You may want to, if you're worried about this, especially after you take the jabs, if you're forced to take one, having your physician draw troponin levels or other tests to see if there has been any cardiac damage. My friend Peter McCullough asserts that up to 50% of people have some evidence of myocarditis after receiving one of these doses. Wow, That's a little bit different from the clinical myocarditis that I was talking about that brings you to the hospital or to the doctor that has that higher mortality rate. But still, you can test to see if you've had heart damage by looking at released enzymes. So that's about the best I can give you uh, is, you know, remain diligent, uh, uh, monitoring your own health, uh, keep your vitamin D levels up, and, uh, you know, try to drop your weight if that's an issue for you. It's been an issue for me. Uh, try to keep yourself from uh, falling into a pre-diabetic state, which is a risk factor. And uh, find yourself a doc that will provide you early treatment and get right on it if you develop COVID. The combination of the jab plus COVID seems to be particularly problematic. So there's, there's a brief rundown of things. You're not powerless. And overall, I want to just say, don't define yourself as a victim. Even those of us that are vaccine injured, that's not all we are. We can be warriors, too, and we can fight back about this, and we can fight back against the globalists and the one world order and new and great reset that they want to impose on us. I think there's a lot of signs that we're heading into some real turbulence this year, financially and otherwise. And it's time to kind of wake up or you're going to have to deal with the consequences. I suspect you agree with that, Steve. Amen. Amen to every word. I've got about two and a half minutes. Let's devote the ending here to lies my government told me. Give us a summation and a couple of highlights here about this book and 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 what what the information within it has done to demonstrate how even your own worldview has been impacted. So the book kind of traces on in real time uh, over the last year, 
my own travels in trying to understand, comprehend what the heck has happened to us. And it's got a lot of Easter eggs, little pearls in there that have been picked up over time because we've written it uh, day by day by day using Substack as a way to serialize it. And so it's full of details uh, as things rolled out over the last year. It's in three sections. The first section is akin to the history and physical that a physician would take when they encounter a patient. And that's largely first-person accounts of what it's been like to be at the front lines from people like uh, Paul Merrick, Pierre Corey, Meryl Nass, uh, Ed Dowd, as I recall, uh, um, uh, many others. And uh, then the second part is making sense. It would be akin to a physician coming up with a diagnosis of a patient. What the heck happened here? What's mm -hmm. the role of the deep state? What's the role of the WHO? What's the role of the finance community? All these things that have played into this. And then the third part is focused on what could be the better future coming? What could we do? What did Mr. Trump try to do? What's the uh, significance and importance of uh, West Virginia versus the EPA and the Supreme Court decisions there about forcing the legislature to take responsibility for lawmaking instead of delegating it to the administrative state. And then finally, some things that you can personally do, get involved in decentralization, uh, building intentional communities, growing a garden, uh, a lot of things that people can do to get ready for the times that are coming at us. You don't have to be a full-on prepper, although it seems that uh, yesterday's prepper is today's uh, wise um, uh, appropriate response. Preach. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt about it. I mean, I mean, you're not paranoid if they're really after you, right? Uh, name of the book, Lies My Government Told Me from uh, the Absolutely Brilliant Do and Brave, uh, maybe even more importantly, Brave, Dr. Robert Malone. It's always good to see you, Dr. Malone. God bless you, man. Appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, Steve. You bet. Anytime. Gentlemen, your thoughts on that conversation? We've had him on the show uh, three, four times. He's gotten so good at this. I, I mean, listen, his job is to talk to very, very smart uh, people in the science community. I remember the first time I had it on, and it was a, a lot like that's the people he knew how to talk to. Mm -hmm. Now he just knows how to go into the crowd, and it's amazing. He reminds me of Doctor Strange in that first movie when he's just like he finally meets the mystic, and he's like, show me everything. The guy is mm -hmm. really, really good now at communicating very important truths across a wide spectrum to everybody, and that's a gift. Indeed. I love the, the words uh, that he had at the end. You know, and, and I'm fortunate, very fortunate, um, that I was not put in the position, obviously, of uh, choosing a job or the jab, or no jab, no job, as they said in New Zealand and various parts of the, uh, the world. Um, but not seeing yourself as just a victim, that is, that is incredibly important, because this goes to what we've been talking about, having not only the humility to admit, hey, I was I was duped, but the humility to say, you know what, I need to admit this, and people need to be held accountable. You can't you can't hold people accountable, truly accountable, if the uh, if the mentality is, hey, uh, I'm just a, I'm only a victim here. So really appreciated those words. Amen. And when you hear about a guy that is you know 
devoted his life to the higher pursuits of intellectualism. And now when the fee, the proverbial feces is, is, is hitting and about to hit even more so the fan, what did you hear him, you know, stress there at the end? The simpler things. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know? Then in the end, in the end, we come back to the old magic, as C.S. Lewis said. Yes. We cannot escape. We cannot outrun the old magic. We come back to those first things every single time. We, we, we have uh, lots of window dressing, lots of accoutrements of modernity, um, uh, lots of technocratic marvels. But in the end, it always comes back to those very first things, those pillars of, of human flourishing and civilization. We'll come back hour two. Theology Thursday, and then three non-political questions coming your way next right here on The Blaze. Stay tuned. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Back here with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here alongside Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre. Don't forget that you can let us know what you think about what we think, and I think I'm going to need a new son-in-law. Just got a a text from Anastasia. Uh Uh-oh. I had Stephen try some refrigerated Cadbury mini eggs, and he said he didn't like them. So... I haven't checked recently. Shots me. fired. What what are grounds for annulment over on your side of the street? Can I still get that done? Is it too late? It's not that. It's not that? It's just, no? No. All right. <laughs> There's got to be some woke church somewhere. Steve woke up and chose violence. Yes, that will say. You're right. That's This this relationship has reached its, it's, it's reached an early grave. Yes. Uh, let us know what you think about what we think. Unless you're wrong about Cadbury mini eggs, you can email the show steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWeGab. Uh, and you can also follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter, Getter, Instagram, TikTok. Got an email from somebody today said, hey, man, I thought you were really exaggerating that you were shadow banned on Trump's social media platform. So I challenged you. And I tried to do a search for your name on Truth Social. Nothing came up. Nothing. So, no. Good times. It is good times. But you can try. Uh, see if you can find us if you're on Truth Social at Real Steve Dace there. That's a D-E-A-C-E, at Real Steve Dace there. And all of you that listen via the podcast, thank you so much. Please uh, leave us a five-star review. Hit subscribe or follow, whichever applies uh, on whichever podcast platform you prefer. And and really cannot thank all of you enough for all of that positive feedback. Thank you very much. Seems like a perfect time on the heels of the conversation we just had with Dr. Robert Malone. And again, get his new book, Lies My Government Told Me. It, it is, in a way, strangely comforted or comforting to me as a schmuck who tried to major in super tech mobile and intramural basketball in college. They apparently don't 
Well, they didn't when you and I were in school have degrees for that. Maybe now, Aaron, they do. Maybe you can actually earn a degree in super tech, in video games and intramural basketball. I know they have (laughs) esports leagues. You know what I think about this. I know, I know. Now I was triggering you. That's I I was triggering you when I said that. Okay, Um, but uh, so when someone who's like really smart and went to college and actually then went to class, I went to college and did not go to class, and look how I turned out. Someone who's like you know really smart, not just can say a lot of words really fast to make other people think he's smart. That's what I do for a living. Uh, Robert Malone is actually smart, Uh, and now to hear him talking about I don't know. Might want to, you know, start doom prepping, grow a garden, have your own food. It's strangely comforting to think it's really not just the losers out here in the cheap seats with the mediocre IQs that are, you know, freaked out. Even the smart people kind of know what time it is, right? Well, one of the ways that you can be prepared is with our friends over at Jace Medical, because who knows? I mean, not saying this ever happened. It did. Not saying they would do it again if it had happened. They will. Um There may be like a deadly pandemic that they may start like they did. Uh, And then there might be venerable medications that may help with some of the more severe symptoms uh, said pandemic uh, could cause that they then might decide killing you or putting you in a desperate enough situation that they'll uh, you'll allow them to exaggerate or to experiment upon you in real time is preferable to you like getting treatments you need and surviving. Not saying that's ever occurred even though it did. Um, it will probably occur again. That's why you want to be prepared with our friends over at Jace Medical. Get the Jace case at Jace Medical. That's J-A-S-E, J as in jump at this right now. Don't hesitate. Literally could be a life or death decision. JaceMedical.com. Get the Jace case of venerable antibiotics, including that difficult to find right now, amoxicillin. That's part of the Jace case. Doctor created, doctor recommended. Go to JaceMedical.com. Enter the code DACE at checkout for a discount on your order. That's the promo code DACE at checkout uh, for a discount on your order at JaceMedical.com. Let us continue on with Theology Thursday, and we are counting down 50 days from today, seven weeks from tomorrow. You may be able to, depending on where you live, uh, walk into a theater and see the movie Nefarious for reals. After all the discussions we've had over the years on this show about the movie and would it ever happen? Is it happening? When's it going to happen? It's happening on April the 14th. So what a better time to look back on the book that inspired the film, A Nefarious Plot. I think this might be the third time we have studied the book since it was published in 2016. And frankly, this is the most frightening time uh, that we have studied it because it's, it's amazing how much it really now seems prophecy that's being realized onboarded and in real time right so we're in the part of the book now where the high lord of hell himself lord nefarious is laying out in great detail the pillars of his plan that destroyed the united states of america and this week we are looking at his plan to dumb down the country to a bunch of useful idiots which is why it is appropriately titled dunces and where would you guys like this conversation this week to begin? Well, in my mind's eye, this is the chapter that when uh, your friends at Believe were reading this book, when they got to this chapter, it's when they knew. This this chapter is the best uh, so far, hmm. uh, and that's and that's saying something. And 
as you know, I've said it, the devil, uh, the demon keeps talking about how he's succeeded beyond his wildest expectations. That now, you know, they, people have basically say, ah, thanks, demon. Now I've, I've got this from here. Now I see you and I raise you. Mm -hmm. And this reminds me of actually something that we didn't discuss uh, on the montage today. But I read from the near the end of the chapter. The bitter harvest of a century of my hard work is seen every day in your elite media. If anyone dares speak the truths of the carpenter or that dreadful book in the public sphere, they're instantly a racist, misogynist, homophobic uh, bigot, unworthy of having their opinions even considered in the arena. Because bigots don't have rights, don't you know? I'm reminded of this in a weird way by that segment in there. Uh, that uh, with the 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 weird uh, juror gal and Anderson Cooper talking about it, they've been so successful at gaslighting mm -hmm. everybody. Mm -hmm. People like that gal who've willfully marched along, demon-like, yeah. manipulating everything, yeah. and now she's taken the ball and run with it even further. And he's like, "Whoa, dude." What the hell? Dr. Frankenstein always ends up yeah. hitting the monster he yeah, created. Yeah, like she's having yes. fun with this. Yeah, that's yeah. what all the rest of us, ever since Tranny Madness and COVID lockdowns have been saying about you guys. You're having fun with this while we burn out here. You Pete Buttigieg's are having fun with this while uh, uh, the water is being poisoned and you can't even be bothered. They, at some point, they weren't going to be able to fully control this anymore. And that's what nefarious is talking about how it's what a remarkable success that has been can you speak to the fact beyond that how the media gaslighting i i, I really think this is something that people yeah people every time a poll is taken you know, honestly, the, the journalism always ranks below like syphilis on where the people think mm -hmm. it is. So they sit, they have a disgust for it. But I truly don't think, based on how yet we continue to let Dr. Malone just talked about it. the narratives. You just asked him why. When does this break? It's because of this gaslighting. It's because it's been that successful, that powerful. It still is. We haven't come close to defeating it, even if people are stopping to take the jab. I think you need to speak to that further because that has everything to do with this chapter, and it's why you close with it, I think. You've described what, what I have labeled an, an, an epistemological apocalypse that, is, that has occurred in, in the West in general, yeah. but this country in particular, what because this truth? country really is the West. All right, the, the, the West would have been lost to not one, but, but two different uh, conflicts, not World War I. World War I, there was nothing at stake. World War II and then the Cold War. If it weren't for the United States, the West would have been lost to either uh, the Third Reich or the, uh, the Iron Curtain, the Iron Cross or the Iron Curtain, if you will. All right. So the United States now is the, the West. It's the hinge point of the West. It saved the West. So when we talk about the West now, we really are talking about our own nation. And we're, we're in an epistemological apocalypse. Now, now, what does the term epistemology mean? It's just a fancy stained glass window term for the study of knowledge or the study of how we know what we know is true. What's true. And, th and, and this goes back to the conversation we had yesterday about my appearance on the Tim Pool show. You have various perspectives within the crew on his program, but they all have one thing in common. 
they are earnestly seeking and pursuing truth. They have, they have been sucked into what they were told in the past were lies. And, and so now, now they're, 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 now they're willing to critically assess every single situation. I got an email last week from a gal and I have, I didn't share it cause it's really long, but I read the whole thing, even responded to her and she talked about growing up in a cult and what her experience was in the cult and leaving the cult and 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 what that experience taught her about truth about lies about uh, reality and that's all well and good but it also so damaged her in my opinion that now she is suspicious of any claim on truth Mm -hmm. any claim on truth she's suspicious of it now um and and so one of the ways that i responded back to her was don't become your own cult. Don't assume, similar to what I said to Ian the other night, a woman broke your heart badly. I mean, he, he lived, you know, um, he lived celibately, voluntarily for, what did he say, five years or something, mm-hmm. maybe even 10, I don't remember exactly what it was. You know, he was heavily damaged. Now, he has a significant other, and I got a chance, I actually met her uh, at Tim Pool's house last week. Uh, she was very sweet and actually watched Nefarious and absolutely loved it. Okay. Um, don't, don't become your own cult. Don't now assume because you were mis, mis, uh, misled by one claim of absolute truth that therefore it doesn't exist. Now you've become your own cult. Now you are ye be like God. I am solely able to determine what is true and what is not. Um, and so then, then who holds me accountable? And that's, that's kind of the era, Todd, in which we live now, okay, is in those days, Israel had no king. So everyone, everyone was wise in their own eyes or everyone did what they saw fit. And we, we sort of live in, we have more information at our fingertips now than we've ever had before. We have more knowledge at our fingertips now than we've ever had before. I would argue we have less regard or interest or respect um, for the truth collectively than we ever have before. Um, And I think that because ultimately, ultimately something has to sit at the head of the table. One of our great fables in the West is about the Knights of the Round Table. So that they, that they were egalitarian. Everybody set, even the king, Arthur. They all set in a, in a place where it was never indicated that one had a higher station than the other, right? What happened to that kingdom? Is it a perpetual kingdom? It collapsed. Something has to sit at the head of the table. Something has to. Something has to be at the head of the table. And if you claim that, that nothing is worthy of being at the head of the table, I promise you, something unworthy will claim the spot at the head of the Preach. table. I promise you. Nature abhors a vacuum. So it's, it, the, the question really, you know, my, my all-time favorite U2 song is I still haven't found what, I look, what I'm looking for. 
tons of biblical mentions and memory or, or uh, mentions in there and allegories in there and direct references in there even. A lot of the West and, and the lament of that song is that I want fulfillment, but I just haven't found it yet. And even acknowledges, hey, you carried the cross. He's talking about Christ, you know, and took all my shame. And, I, and you know, I believe it. I believe that. But, it, but it, it, it just, is there more to this than just that transaction? Is there, is there more to this relationship between God and man that that transaction makes possible? But isn't there supposed to be more to that relationship than just that transaction? Okay. Mm-hmm. That is a good yearning. What we have done in our era is we have reduced it to, it is laudable to be searching for truth. It is not laudable, though, to actually find it. The best thing to do is to be the hamster on the wheel in the box. You're just constantly chasing the cheese. It's never, it's never esteemed. It's, it's, it's never congratulated to actually choose it unless you choose the narrative associated with it that goes along with the spirit of the age. And that's what Nefarious is saying there. I have boxed you out everywhere. I have, I have boxed you out on an institutional, cultural, societal level that the only possible place that you could try to, to find something meta, to find something cosmic is with the options or option that I want you to choose. And that is true. What Nefarious is saying, that is true. That's where we are. But a lot of that is because we've permitted that to occur. The church doesn't have to play by these rules. It doesn't have to at all. In fact, it's done its best work for 2,000 years when it has chosen not to. The the church is supposed to play by the rules of when Peter and John are called before the Sanhedrin and warned, after we get done scourging you, don't ever come back here and preach about this dead Messiah carpenter from from Nazareth ever again. They were back there the next morning, and they were back in the temple preaching and healing before the Sanhedrin even arrived for morning worship. That's how we are supposed to roll. That's how it's supposed to work. Okay. You're, you, you're not, you don't get to head us off at the pass epistemologically. We represent the way, the truth and the life, the, the most powerful being in the universe. You don't get to cut us off. But what, imagine driving down an interstate And you decide on your own to limit your ability to progress alongside of it. On, on your own, you decide to pull over. On your own, you decide to drive slowly so you never arrive at your destination. On your own, you never take advantage of the open road. On your own, you just decide there could be traffic here. Or, or I'm going to run into traffic eventually, and so I'm going to behave as if it's not an open road and limit my own mobility. That is what we have done. He can't do any of these things to us. He doesn't have the power to do these things. Unless we, like Adam, Adam, I've given you dominion. I've given you dominion. I've given you dominion. I've given you dominion, God says. 
the architect, author, and finisher of dominion, grants a derivative of his own dominion to his creation, Adam. Adam is given dominion. Is Satan given dominion? No. In the book of Job, Satan must now come and get permission from God to tempt Job. Adam is given dominion. Not the enemy. Adam hands that dominion over in the garden. Jesus says to his followers, now, now that that wrath from that act, the second Adam, Christ, he says to his followers, I have all power granted to me under heaven and earth. And I will give you my spirit so that you can now act as my ambassadors, my stewards, just like the second Adam, I'm giving you the dominion now. Via the church. Now go and behave like it. To the ends of the earth, take the message. Behave, behave as if this is true. And yeah, some of you will get executed. Then you'll just wake up when it's over and live for me, live with me forever in paradise. You cannot lose. I've handed you the key. I've handed you the keys because they belong to me. I have the dominion. I, I, I passed the test that Adam failed. I am the second Adam. It is fulfilled. I have dominion. I now grant a derivative of that to you. Go and behave as if that is true. Do we do that? Oh, no. And so that's why we are mastered and fettered. It, Satan is not God's equal. They are not co-belligerents. These are not angels and demons on your shoulder. That's actually pagan belief systems called like uh, religion uh, viewpoints like dualism, uh, panentheism. That's not Christianity. God is sovereign. There is no other. And everything else is a few, if not infinitely few space bars down the list. We behave as if that's not the case. And so we are, we are our own limiting principle. Does that answer your question? Oh, yes. And, w and one more point. Th this chapter is, again, I think, so motivational for the makers of this film. And this is my interpretation, nothing you've said. But again, there are two instances in the movie uh, where I believe th this is echoed through a conversation where uh, from two different uh, people in the film who are talking about the, the joys of secularism and how far we've come and nefarious basically in my estimation goes to this chapter and says let me share some data with you let me share some talking points and you do multiple times in mm -hmm. this chapter where you just say how ridiculously stupid we are about basic this is a football notions yes. of western civ and and the point of this of that that, that, that he makes here is ultimately there were two institutions that the founding fathers fought could provide a, a buffer against a being such as nefarious doing to a culture that which he did. The, the first was the church and nefarious tells you, Hey, we, we are able to successfully infiltrate the church to some degree in every era, but we, we can't ever topple it. I mean, it's beyond our jurisdictional authority. We can't ever do it. it. There's always a remnant, no matter how much dominion it appears we have or how much churches appear to water themselves down in any era. There's always a remnant that stands the up darkness to us. Shall not overcome. It. Yes. yes. The, yeah. So t t he's fulfilling that prophecy. Yes. yes. But then he says, but the other institution that the founder, your founders established as the buffer the education system has no such protection from the carpenter its protection is reliant entirely upon your diligence as citizens your willingness to be your own watchman on the wall your willingness to care about your own children 
Uh-oh. in a human form. And since you weren't willing to do that, we turn those into basically Satan's youth ministry. And that's what he, that, and that's how we created this generation of dunces that you are today. Aaron. So several months ago, I can't remember exactly which show we were on. What did we what did we end up with Todd's or Urzen's razor? Wasn't it? It's just stupid. Something along those it's lines. It's just demonic, bro. Well, that's Aaron's razor. Oh, Todd's razor. Yeah. Urzen's yeah. razor was like, it's just stupid. And my Aaron's razor is it's just demonic, bro. And we came to the conclusion it's we're saying the same thing in different ways. That is the dichotomy or that's the, the two pronged defense system that you're talking about. And I was wondering if you can if you can answer the question and maybe go more in depth with this as well. From a believer's perspective, why why does it seem like why does it seem like as it becomes more demonic here that it really is just just 200 proof stupid? Mm-hmm. Why does it seem like that? And it, because it, if you back up a little bit, if you think about uh, let's just say a left behind version of the end of the world. Things are really, really bleak and dark. Being uh, things are being uh, manipulated by very, very sneaky, nefarious, if I may say, mm-hmm. um, very uh, Machiavellian, shadowy figures doing things in a very technocratic way in the background. The last three years, things are just stupid and demonic. Things are just stupid, like like uh, the, the scene from Idiocracy, where there's somebody trying to put like a, uh, a square hole into a round peg and can't figure it out, like a grown adult trying to do that. That's the level of stupid that I'm yep. talking about. Yep. Why is that the case? Great can, question. Can I take a brief shot? Because I want to see if I've passed the class. Sure. It's because in the past, it, people didn't have any real power. It just took a small cabal to keep them powerless. Now, as you, the precedent you said in the beginning is the people, the people have the power. It is we, the people. So by definition, they had to be stupid for this to work. It was the only way because they had power in the past. They haven't historically had power. You're right. Your, your answer is correct, but you got to go back a step. Your answer articulates the result of the question that he is asking. There's a reason why Nefarious opens the chapter by invoking the movie uh, Idiocracy. Because there's a difference between being totally depraved. What does that mean theologically? It means that because of the amount, because of what sin has done to us, we are incapable. We are totally in. That's what totally total depravity means. We are totally incapable of repairing the breach between us and God on our own. We cannot do it. We don't none seek God. We don't look for God. At least, we, and and when we do, it's not in the way that would that would that would satisfy God's wrath and and fully restore the relationship. We look for Him even when we're doing it earnestly in ways that it fits into our paradigm and not us into Him. That's what total depravity means. Utter depravity means we have no worth or value at all. That's not true. We still carry the Imago Dei. Everyone within the sound of my voice, regardless of what your religious viewpoint or the lack thereof, every one of you is an eternal being. You will live forever. Not your body, but your soul, your spirit will. Every one of you and every one of us carries the Imago Dei. We are made in the likeness and image of God. And so, that means we have cognitive ability. We can critically think. And I don't, ha- <clears throat> I don't have to be a Bible-believing Christian. 
to be a brilliant critical thinker and unlock several of the most important secrets of the universe. Aristotle, Plato, Plato, Socrates, Ayn Rand. Ayn Rand came to the conclusion just doing the math. Some things have to be objectively true. Otherwise, how do, why do we have any order? So she created her own philosophy, objectivism, as an atheist. <clears throat> Nefarious can't abide that. Nefarious can't enslave Ayn Rand. Because even though she may be in hell as we speak, having never repented of her sins, her, her surface level understanding of how the, how the universe operated is why Christians can actually use her work to inspire their own critical thinking. Okay? He can't afford that. He can't enslave a society of Ayn Rand's any more than he can enslave a society of Christians because critical thinking is happening. Now, Ayn Rand and I have differences in conclusions of our critical thinking, but we are both critically thinking. You've seen this play out with COVID. Critical thinkers across the political spectrum. I'll, what day did I think I was going to end up doing shows where Russell Brand and I sounded alike? Never when I got into this business, but here we are. We're both critical thinkers. Critical thinking had to be squashed because hell is after compliance and subservience because the devil wants to be God. He needs you to recognize that. And for you to recognize that you need to be a slave to him. And this has everything to do with what you were talking about, in my opinion, on uh, Tim Cast the other night about the feedback loop of a lack of character. Mm-hmm. The more society doubts the character of God, whether that's implicitly or explicitly, the less of a plumb line or the lack of a plumb line we have to judge each other's character. Correct. And that's a, that creates, as you said, a feedback loop. So I don't even have I, I don't even have to be aware of what critical thinking is. There's nothing, nothing that calls us beyond our own base natures anymore. And until that is restored, we're going to keep, we're going to keep circling the drain and go down the drain and we're going to find how deep the drain actually goes. I have a better chance of, of spreading and living the gospel in a society dominated by, by the likes of Ayn Rand than I do by the likes of big evangelical that bowed the knee to the COVID fascism for the last few years. Bottom line, because there's no critical thinking happening there. None. No, when, when, when the church vacates critical thinking, that's when you get stuff like inquisitions. You get that when the church says, we don't have to critically think anymore either. You just have to, you have to just serve us and our interests. As opposed to, we serve a higher interest that we're also accountable to. The, the, the number one enemy, other than revival of the forces of hell is critical thinking because that is the ultimate expression of the imago day in each of us regardless of our current sinful and spiritual states even that even that depressed and suppressed recognition of god's sovereignty within our sinful state hell can't defeat even that let alone be god's equal so fear them they're not more in a moment. Really proud of the partnership that uh, we struck with our friends over at Preborn last year, um, and uh, that helped save thousands of babies' lives last year. Uh, Preborn's been a part of saving over 200,000 babies since its founding. How? Well, it's really a two-pronged approach. Number one is 
it's a loving confrontation. It's a it's a peaceable one, but it's a confrontation nevertheless. They they confront that mom, like the mom that I I had. You know, a teenage unwed mother, they confront her with the realization that that's a heartbeat. That's not your heartbeat. That's a separate being, a separate person that you're carrying there. And a lot of times that God-given maternal instinct catches, you know, clicks in um, and the conscience is convicted. I I can't do this to my baby. I'm a mom already. And so that's that's saved about 80 percent of the babies that they have been able to confront their moms with their ultrasounds. But it's not just that. Because we, you know, that's, that's not the end of the story. Take it from a kid born to a 15 year old mom. It ain't the end of the story. You know, um, does she have the support that she needs from that time forward? They offer that as well. All of it free of charge, including prenatal care, postnatal care, car seats, counseling, more, all of it for free ultrasounds all the way to the, the post delivery care all for free. With support from people like us, when you use the the uh, pound or you dial pound two fifty and say the keyword baby, dial pound two fifty and say the keyword baby, or go to preborn.com slash Steve. Again, that's preborn.com slash Steve. Hey, real quick, before we get to three non political questions, a buddy of mine just sent me this, just texted me this during the break. Said he asked this uh, chat GPT AI who I was. And here was its answer. Steve Dace is an American conservative political commentator, author, and radio host. He is known for his strong conservative views and has been a vocal supporter of the Republican Party and its platform. Dace began his career as a radio host in 2009, and he has since hosted several radio shows, including Dace in the Afternoon and The Steve Dace Show. He has also appeared as a commentator on various television programs, including Fox News, CNN, and MSNBC. In addition addition to his media work, Dace is the author of several books on politics and culture, including A Nefarious Plot and Truth Bombs, Confronting the Lies Conservatives Believed to Our Own Demise. Notice, first of all, my career started in 1999, not 2009. The Republican Party would be shocked to learn that I'm a vocal (laughs) proponent of it. Uh, And notice that it left out the books that had anything to do with COVID in its answer, right? Did you guys notice that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, It mentions the books I've written, except for the ones that have sold the most copies. (laughs) Um, Dace has been a controversial figure, and his views have generated strong reactions from both supporters and critics. Uh, He has been outspoken in his opposition to progressive politics and has been critical of some members of the Republican Party whom he views as insufficiently conservative. I told my buddy that's maybe about 70% true. I I finally got interesting right at the very end, though. I mean, there was... Because that's that's really the most interesting uh, part of you uh, in, in terms of what they provided but so what chat gpt whatever like basically are we just like we right is this is this just like a woke less interesting encyclopedia britannica on your shelf can i can i I answer that question first there's a movie called cocaine bear coming out this weekend i know our our trailer is supposed to be in front of it in some locations actually yeah (laughs) but i get your point yes it's 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 woke skynet it's it's woke hell 9000 basically Good morning, Dave. That's what it is. Uh, and, and everybody's all worked up about it. I'm not. And when I say I'm not worked up about it, don't take that to mean I don't recognize what this is being. This is a demonic, antichristical ghost in the machine. I completely recognize that. I just, these things aren't diseases. They're symptoms. 
societies do things like this to themselves when they just don't want to exist anymore. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Like, like deciding that chat GPT is my line in the sand. You should have drawn that line about 15, 20 years ago. It's too late for that. That, that is the outcome of where we are going, not the result of it. And with that, here are three non-political questions. We all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? Question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on The Steve Day Show. Yes, three non-political questions, two of which I did definitely not come up with during the show, and one of which I didn't come up with right before the show. Question number <laughs> one, what's the most stupid and benign thing you will go to war and fight somebody over? I mean, I just consulted Todd about the church's annulment rules because of Cadbury mini eggs. That's pretty stupid and banal. Right, that's some solid critical thinking. Right that there, is, Steve. that is. I just, I just indicted myself. I mean, that, that's pretty dumb. Don't, don't get me wrong. I was completely serious. <laughs> I mean, it's, like, it's, it's not that it's. I'm not denying it's way too important to me. It's just going to remain very important to me, nevertheless. <laughs> <laughs> so, how about me? About an hour ago, would we'll go with that. Oh, so it has to be. We have to own it as legitimately dumb because they're, yeah. it's not what other people say are dumb things, but we actually think are noble. Like I, I know them. my obsession with these things are is dumb. I'm I'm going to continue within my obsession uh, of these Cadbury mini eggs. Nevertheless, that's that's kind of what we're talking about. Yeah. Oh, like the kind of like when you go to Subway. And people are hovering over their options like they are at a five-star restaurant for the first time. And they're like, like, this is a big, they've been waiting for this all day. And they're like musing about like, how, why aren't you at some, why don't you know what you're getting on your damn sandwich? Why aren't we getting through this? This is sandwich fast food. And, you know, I should have more grace about the Subway sandwich line, but I don't. <laughs> How many things, Aaron, could we say from Todd? I should have more grace about fill in the blank, but I don't. <laughs> How many things do you think that is? is oh. An endless list? Probably. Yes. You know, probably, but that's what makes Todd Todd. Indeed. I, I think for me, if you, if you hang out at the speed limit in the left lane... Oh, yeah. Oh, you're my You're just gosh. a terrible person. Red rum. Red rum. It's okay. probably not that big of a deal, but if you're going the speed limit, you're going too slow. If you're going below the speed limit, then that should be a capital oh. offense. That's a homily right there, brother. You know what? You brought one up. Thank you, because I need to get this off my chest. Even worse to me, and it happens to the way I go home, which is different from the way you two from where we are, but the, the, the Valley West Drive on-ramp onto 235. Oh, yeah. Going east. We're pretty quickly... it. It, there's not like a lane, a long lane. You have to get in. People off. who don't get over. They don't get over. Yeah. 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 What? Where am I supposed to go? There's no place to go. And I do like, there's people who don't know how to get on. They don't know how to control their speed, but like you, they're just driving along as if they have no understanding that you're going to kill somebody. What, what are you doing? I would love to share your lament 
we left two and a half hours before our flight was supposed to leave Reagan National on, on Tuesday. There were three accidents that held traffic back for a couple of hours. We had to get off the interstate. I mean, finally, um, Google Maps was literally yelling at us. Uh, okay, get off the, literally, idiots, get off the interstate. You're not going to make it. So we had to drive throughout suburban D.C. Oh, you love that. And it was all single lane road, 25 miles an hour, photo enforced. And when I say photo enforced, I mean cameras absolutely everywhere. And we got there. The flight left at 10.08. We pulled up to the front gate at 9.44. (laughs) I took off in a dead sprint. Thankfully, my TSA pre-checked. There was no line. Got through it. And then had to race to gate E, which is the very last gate. Because that's always where we get put when we fly to Des Moines, anywhere in America, the last terminal, all the way to the end, okay, to get them to then hold the gate so that eventually my wife got there, Amy could get on board as well, all right? So I'm not, I'm not really feeling you on, it sucks driving to Carlisle, Iowa. That's okay. I just love how we took this question and escalated this to, (laughs) that's that's the most important thing. Not bad for uh, thinking of that during the last break. Did I say that out loud? Am I doing that again where I'm just thinking? Oh, shoot. Yes, I am. Uh, Question two. What are on your Mount Rushmore of favorite movies prior to your 18th birthday? Oh, well, I mean, prior to my 18th birthday, um, Star Wars would have been on that. It was actually as I got older that I grew more of an appreciation for The Empire Strikes Back. So Star Wars would have been on that list. Um. Raiders of the Lost Ark would have been on that list. Um, Would The Natural maybe have been on that list? And Superman the Motion Picture would have definitely been on that list. So I'm going to go with those four. If we're talking, you know, uh, pre-voting age, Steve, I'm going to go with those four. Is Shawshank... High school or college? 94. Right? So you and I oh, would have so both been graduate, yeah, out of, out of high school. I can't remember the timing of all. Yeah. But the, around this time is uh, Glory, Hunt for Red October. Um, again, either I'm in late high school or early college when that is happening. So I'm, uh, I'm not trying to cheat. Obviously, Star Wars is canon. Yeah. Uh, and, and then nostalgic stuff like you, this. And it, it the Karate Kid is just, Stuff like that is the stuff that's p- just pure. I mean, we're yeah, that we're '80s people. You got to have. I'll tell a you movie what. Like- I, if if there was a fifth spot on Mount Rushmore, I'm not so sure it wouldn't have been the 1989 Batman film. I mean, I was obsessed with that. The latter part of my high school years came out my sophomore year in high school. You know, and I mean, I probably watched that movie 50 to 100 times. I mean, I freaking loved it. But it's fifth on the list, so it doesn't make it. Speaking of Batman, <clears throat> excuse me. You know, The Dark Knight is 15 years old this year. 15 years old. So that's on my Mount Rushmore. The Dark Knight. It came out when I was 15. Um, Shrek wow. 2. Does that make me feel old? The yeah. Goblet of Fire. And Top Gun. The the old Top Gun, obviously, because mm. the new one hadn't come out when I was 18. Question number three. Aaron Rodgers has emerged from his darkness retreat. Apparently. <laughs> This is the most Aaron Rodgers story ever. By all accounts, darkness to decide my football future. It was maybe Todd knows more about this than I do. It was just like 
I don't know if it's sensory deprivation too, whether it's completely quiet, but I know it was supposed to be completely dark, completely dark, like room or house or something for four days straight. You're supposed to like hallucinate and take on this ghostly specter <laughs> that's been haunting him called the hat man. Yeah. He mentioned that on some and, sports show, right? Yeah. yeah and, uh, Pat McAfee, I think yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so he, he's emerged from this darkness retreat. It's supposed to give him clarity on decisions that he's going to make, be making. Like where does he want to make his next hundred million dollars? <laughs> Things like that. Mm-hmm. Problems. Most of us wish we had. My question for you is if you voluntarily went into a darkness retreat, how long would it take before you lost your mind? And what would finally, what would finally be the tipping point of losing your mind? I think for me, it would be walking into, walking into things. I would get so paranoid that I, no matter, I couldn't see where, where I was, I would just keep bumping into things. I'd be, it would be like, um, you know, in the movie Matilda. That's what, maybe what the first reference. The first time the movie Matilda has been, been referenced, referenced on this show. She goes into the the, the the mean teacher or whatever, headmistress at the school, puts all the naughty kids in the chokey. I would feel like that, even though I wasn't. So that, that would be what puts uh, me over the edge. For me, it would be the first time I got to use the bathroom. That would probably be my tap out. Okay. I mean, I just... There's no way I'm doing that. Not in a million years. And the first time I had to use the bathroom... You, be, that would be my tap out. You wouldn't last until that point. I think I could simply because as I push 50 now, I am peeing constantly. No, I'm saying. <laughs> oh, I'm you just literally peeing like every 15 because minutes. Because it would come up quicker. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. But you know, you would, that would break you. Yeah. I mean, I, I would last until the point it's actually proposed to me to do this. And then I'd already be out. There's no chance that's happening. None. But for sure, if I got, if I got shoehorned into doing it, or dared into doing it, the, the 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 tap out for me would be having to go to the bathroom. Todd, I don't. I guess boredom. Like whenever it yeah. gets bored, I think I could, I could last for a while. I mean, but it would just be dumb and boring. So I guess when it's when that point comes, I don't. I mean, there's nothing about it that sounds particularly neurotic to me. But then again, I don't know. I, I guess I can see people having a sense of like being in an enclosed space or almost like drowning. I guess that might, I've never done this. But I, it, I, I think it's possible that I have done this and lost my mind because Anna Allen just sent me an email and said, Steve, how did you do a Mount Rushmore of your four favorite films before your 18th birthday? And Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan is not on the list. Uh, Anna. Uh-oh. Anna. I owe you. Thank you. I mean, I, that's a dude code foul. Uh, frankly, I, I shamed my own essence. I think you need to go into total darkness. I may, I may I have to go. I, I may have to. You now. need to that think about punishment. what you've done. Yeah, that, that's, I agree. That has <laughs> yes. to be on the list for sure. Um, and uh, I, I, I am ashamed. Continue, Todd. I'm sorry. No, that's I like this. This just sounds. I, I, I guess we, we, you don't quite know it. In this culture, when we're addicted to constant stuff and bells and whistles and stuff, what this might do to you, which is probably why everybody should probably maybe give it a half hour and and see how it goes, because it'll tell them something about themselves. I I, I, I don't know, like five days of it. 
Like, I, I don't think I need this, but you know, I've. Do you got, think he really did it? I've got the real Jesus and he's got Rob Bell Jesus yeah. in his life. So do you think he really did it? Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a weirdo. He's weird. You know that you now so? here's, but here's, did it take? Because if he just comes out here and looks like normal, spoiled diva douche, in how he negotiates Comes out this, with a bigger man then, bun. Then what's... No, well, no, but how everybody... Like, somehow he's a victim. St- like, mm-hmm. this is how everybody's like, I'm making all this money, I've got all this success, and I'm a bigger victim than I've ever been in my life, and basically I'm just channeling Brett Favre, what he did to me back in the day. If you look like that guy now, you should have stayed in there longer or not gone at all. I just hope he defeats the hat, man. That's really weird. I'd hate to have some ghost following me around all the time that that would that would be very odd apparently ever since he smoked that what peyote south american peyote stuff he's been haunted by this ghost and that's that's the real reason he's doing this so the story is ever since aaron Rodgers did drugs he's been saying things yep yeah that's the story yeah breaking better that than jabbed it's true (laughs) well in either case you may end up saying things indeed all right, that'll do it for our show here today. Don't forget, we're going to stick around and do overtime for Blaze TV subscribers, blazetv.com slash days. Don't miss it. For the rest of you, we'll see you tomorrow. John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.